0: Hello and welcome to the Journey podcast with me Aaron Aiden and today we're going to be talking a bit about rejection and the, how we react to neglect. How do we process when we're or when we feel like we've been rejected by somebody that's what we're going to be talking about tonight so uh, let's get stuck in okay so rejection is something that's very sensitive to a lot of people and if you have had any kind of uh, child. Hood trauma related to rejection you know maybe one parent was a bit distant and made you feel a bit unloved or you didn't quite get the affection or attention that you needed from a parent going into adult life you you can really start to develop issues when you reject it it's like uh i've been speaking a few times on social media about um like if you call a friend and ask if they want to hang out or they want to just you know like chill out with you then you know, you, you get quite, you get your hopes up and you think, Oh yeah, okay, right, I'm going to see this friend and this is how it's going to go. And then when, you know, if they say, ah, oh, sorry, I can't, I'm busy, uh, you know, maybe another day. Now, it's really easy to take that to heart, given uh, any kind of childhood trauma related to this. Like I say, if, if a parent was a bit neglectful or didn't quite give you the attention that you needed then, then you really, you can really take this, to heart and be really sensitive about it and your mind could go to places where maybe you're thinking you know why don't they want to see me what's what have i done wrong or your mind could go to many different places but it's really important to remember that life isn't personal and you can't take life personally you know if, if if somebody says they're busy then we need to kind of just say okay well they say they're busy they're busy that's the end of it no matter what your thought process might be But that's where it can get quite difficult, because obviously, we do have very diverse mindsets. And for a lot of us, overthinking is a big thing, especially when anxiety comes in. You could maybe be thinking, even though you know that they're busy, you could still be thinking of reasons why they might not want to see you. Now, rejection, in my opinion at least, is is very rarely personal in this sense or in the sense that we're talking about when you feel like you're being rejected. A lot of the time, I, f- I feel like it's not quite the case, but it's how the mind that has, like I said, some kind of trauma related to neglect or rejection earlier on, the mind can go into this place where it feels like it's being rejected. And it's only if it's direct, if somebody is directly telling you that they don't want anything to do with you or they don't want to see you because just for no reason that they just don't want to, I think unless it's defined like that, I think it's never personal. And when somebody does say that, they can't do something, or even if they say they don't want to, that's not necessarily rejection against you. It could just be a case, and often you'll probably find that this is the case, that the other person may have things going on in their life that maybe they're struggling with, or they just need space on their own, because they're struggling to function in themselves, or to be okay, or to feel happy, whatever it is. So in that sense, again, I feel like it's still not rejection because that's them showing self-preservation. Saying to you, okay, I can't see you now. One, because I don't want to. And the reason I don't want to is because I need to focus on me and I want to focus on myself. Which means they are taking positive action. And although you could take that really personally and think, wow, okay, they don't want to see me. But that doesn't mean it has to be personal, even if they say they don't want to. But it's really interesting how the mind really fires all this off and especially when you take into account the overthinking and the anxiety kind of side of things. It can be really really difficult. So how do we overcome that? How can we change the mindset? If you've always been in a mindset where if somebody says no then that's rejection. Now that means that we need to heal from our past. So to heal from the past you kind of need to go back to where it started. So. If you are struggling with rejection, then can you go back in your in your mind? Can you retrace your memories and think where did that rejection come from? What part of your life did you start to feel rejected by people? And understand the situation from a new perspective. Because maybe a few years ago when, when this pattern, or maybe 10, 20 years ago, however long it was, when this cycle of feeling as if you're being rejected started, you couldn't see the situation for how it is, whereas now you can look back on it and you can see a different side to things that you couldn't see before. You know, maybe your your dad um, neglected you or, or, or rejected you even. Um, so your dad rejected you because he didn't want to see you. Well, at the time, all you saw was that your dad doesn't want to see you. But then as you move on into adult life and you look back, you could you could maybe think... Okay, it's not that he didn't want to see me, it's that he couldn't. There were situations going on around him that meant he just couldn't be there. And even if he, he was there, and he probably could have if he really tried, but it would have just caused too many problems. So then you start to see, ah, okay, it wasn't personal to me. It's just because his life got in the way and that he just physically or mentally or emotionally wasn't able to be there, which is why he then rejected me. So you can really see the different perspectives you can take on rejection and you can really see how changing just one little uh, piece of understanding can really shift that mentality from rejection to preservation because often people aren't intentionally trying to reject you. It is just preservation. And speaking of preservation, that kind of moves into something else I want to talk about is that time in in the modern world seems to be filled with really busy stuff and everyone seems to be really busy all the time and you know people have got work and then they got family life and then they got all these different things they got to do and especially when you're in school you have no free time when you're when you're doing studies you're maybe you're in college or you're in university and you have no time for yourself you just you just can't find the time to just do what you want to do and I know in university it's a lot of Partying and drinking and not really doing too much work, or so anyone out of uni. I've never been to uni, so I don't know firsthand kind of the experience there. But anyone I know in university um, seems to just be partying a lot and not really doing too much work. So, other than that, but in college work, I see a lot of people that get stressed about their exams. They're you know sick form in college. They just study, study, study. There's no free time and the stress that it causes people when they're when they're studying and you know. It's so important to just, no matter how much work you have to get done, it's so important to take a step back and and not not drive yourself into exhaustion by pummeling yourself and drowning yourself in work. And we we kind of view time, it's like the whole, ah, that's a waste of time. That's probably one of my favourite sayings, that is a waste of time. Now, we often, we often say this about things, you know, if if someone's like, oh yeah, I'm going to try this, and, and then you say, ah, oh, that's a waste of time. But why is it a waste of time? It's a waste of time because it's going to fail, or it's not going to do anything, or it's not going to work. But is it really a waste of time? Because if, if you do something that's not going to work, and you're told it's not going to work, you know it's not going to work, but you do it anyway. I don't really think it's a waste of time, because you learn something through that by doing something that isn't going to work you then know that that doesn't work for sure. You know 100% through your own experience, as opposed to just listening to the experience or the stories about the experience of somebody else who has done it and it didn't work for them. So I think it's really important to understand that nothing is a complete waste of time because we learn. Everything that we go through in life, we learn from. We, We learn from our experiences and we can only learn from experiences if we allow ourselves to have the experience in the first place. But it's often, you know, we, we we stop ourselves going into a situation because we we don't want to learn the hard way. But if you learn everything the easy, easy way, does it really stick? Do you really remember it in 10, 20 years time? Um, it's, we don't really learn from having everything given to us on a silver platter. We, we only really seem to learn as humans um, through learning the really difficult ways, through going through really strong heartbreaks and heartaches and periods of really harsh emotional distress and although it can be really damaging and yet causes trauma but that's where healing work is really important is, is allowing yourself to heal from things giving yourself time and space and distance from people and situations and circumstances to allow yourself to just heal so <sighs> nothing is really a waste of time and even if you do learn the hard way that's a really good use of time. If you're learning something the difficult way, I think that's a really good use of time because you're learning a really profound lesson in a really difficult way, which means that that lesson's gonna stick and you're gonna remember it more than you're gonna remember any other lessons. So it's really important for me anyway to go through the really hard difficult situations. Even if somebody gives me a shortcut and says, "Hey, you can get to the same place in in half the time if you take this tip. Here's a little here's a little thing for you to try." I still won't take the shortcut because what I've learned in life is there's no shortcuts. It's kind of like if you get a, if you get um, you want to roast chicken for dinner and you put it in the microwave. Well, You're putting in a microwave, yeah, it's going to cook quicker, but is it going to be the best quality? Is it going to be done properly? Is it going to taste nice? Is it going to be healthier for you? Chances are, no. In my opinion, nothing coming from a microwave, It's, it's better to cook it properly. And it's the same with life, it's better to cook yourself properly in the sense that... If you think of life as you're being in a big oven, and and when you're born, you're you're placed into the oven, okay? And that's kind of the analogy I I like to go with, is that you are in a big oven. And if you take the shortcut, you're trying to take yourself out of the oven and put yourself in the microwave because you want to get there quicker. But why do you want to get there quicker? Why do you want to learn lessons quickly? Because... You're only alive for a short period of time compared to the the age of the universe. You know, the universe is billions of years old and you're lucky if you live to a hundred. So why not spend the the hundred years that you might have here on on this earth learning the lessons as deeply as you can not trying to learn a shallow lesson but learn deep lessons that are really going to last and stick with you and then you can pass those deep lessons onto your children they can pass them onto their grandchildren and as they're passed down they also learn lessons through your lessons but they also learn their own lessons at the same time and you really then get that olive tree of lessons handed down generation to generation and I think that's a really useful uh, a useful way to spend life here, because we are just a kind of speck of dust in a ever-expanding universe that's full of trillions and hundreds of trillions of other specks of dust in in one tiny space, and it's quite scary to just think that we seem like a dominant force on on the Earth, and we've kind of forced ourselves into that position. We've through technology and changing the way that the earth looks we've dominated the natural world which i don't know how how we've kind of done it in such a short space of time but then to think that although we've dominated an entire planet we haven't dominated the solar system we haven't dominated the galaxy we haven't dominated the universe and we're far from it we're we're thousands of years away from dominating this the universe or the galaxy just to think how big everything is and imagine how big we are compared to an ant but (laughs) what's bigger than us what is the one thing that is bigger than us in a sense of intelligence or ability to change the face of a planet and it kind of it's kind of scary to think that we might be one of the least intelligent races in the universe. That's really strange to think, that there could be a species in the universe that are extremely intelligent compared to us. And we have the stories from the Anunnaki. Now, if you haven't heard of the Anunnaki, they were spoken about by the Sumerians in Mesopotamia. That Mesopotamia or Sumeria is said to be the cradle of man. Uh, where humans very first started from, and we we get the same tales in any biblical texts, and we get the same stories that the aliens or extraterrestrials or gods came down from the skies, interbred with humans, they made us work and mine for gold to repair their atmosphere on Nibiru, which we now know as Planet X. (laughs) So we have ancient civilizations that are thousands and thousands of years older than we thought humans were even around for that are telling us these stories about the gods and how they came down from earth and they were experimenting with humans and playing around with our genetics so <laughs> that shows that there is a species out there that is more intelligent than humans and was around long before we were because we're told in the in the Sumerian tablets and even texts from all around the world that the Anunnaki came to earth, found early humans like Neanderthals and uh, you know other early primates and combined their DNA with with ours which makes sense why there's a, a portion of the human genome or the human DNA that we can't make sense of it's it's artificial it's, it doesn't Makes sense it's not natural and the ancient civilizations telling us that the Anunnaki uh, played with our genetics they you know in in biblical texts it says God created us in his own image well that sheds light on what the Sumerians were saying and other uh, ancient civilizations that the gods, the Anunnaki, which were an extraterrestrial race that came to Earth thousands or even maybe millions of years ago, combined their DNA with ours to make modern-day humans. And it would also explain why we look so different to our primates. Why do we, although, yeah, we look very similar, we also look very, very different. And it's it's a big jump. It is a really big jump, unless there are hundreds more primate species or, or um, like, early early humanoid species that we haven't found yet because out of the 600 you know we're the only ones with with like the rhesus bloodline so we suddenly had a bloodline introduced into into early humans where did that come from? so so much about humans that we don't understand and I think it's really important to start to understand ourselves by understanding how our brains work because our brains are so incredible and there's so much that we, we just can't comprehend about ourselves, let alone the universe. I think we're jumping the gun a bit by going into space travel and looking to colonize another planet when we don't even understand how to live on our own world. I know it's a very controversial thing going to Mars and moving to other planets, but let's look at it realistically. We're wanting to move to another planet before we understand how to treat our own planet and how to treat humanity we've got war going on we've got people killing each other on our own planet now imagine taking that to space where you're going to have people killing each other in space or on other planets how will we how will we survive in deep space or even just outer space in our own solar system how will we function in a positive way and will we really survive It's is quite a mind-blowing thing to really think about is that we could go into space and and that could be our extinction is we, we self-extinct ourselves by traveling into space too soon without really knowing how to live and how it all works uh, and that's a really scary thought that we could end our own species by not understanding how to live properly but i don't know if that's just me that thinks that we could potentially be making a huge mistake by going into space now and i know that many other people think that going into space is a really good thing in that we we should be going into space and technology is the next best thing and it's it's driving humanity forward into a new age of living but i think we i I'm, i really prefer the old way of living the way that native tribes live you know you've got the native american tribes and you've got the shamanic tribes and peruvian tribes Um, And the Amazonian tribes, they all have a very special way of living that's in harmony with nature. And you go into the Western world that's full of technology and full of busy modern life and you see how unhappy and depressed people are. But Tribal members seem to be very happy and upbeat, and they don't really seem to suffer from depression and anxiety because these are all modern world mental health disorders. And why are they mental health disorders? Because the brain isn't equipped to deal with modern life. Modern life is not natural, so the brain can't, can't process this unnatural behaviour that we've suddenly started living in in the last couple hundred years. It's only been like 200 years since the modern life really started to begin. It was only, you know, you you can go into your into your house now and go and run a bath, but it was only 200 years ago that you would have to warm your bath up bucket by bucket, because there was no hot water taps. There wasn't. It was only less than 100 years ago that we had a gas burner underneath our bathtubs to heat the water. So technology has really jumped a huge huge amount, and uh, I really do think that we need to slow it down. We need to slow down how we live how slow down the way that we live and really think about new ways and changes that we could be making to to live in better ways but uh, i'll leave you with that thought today and to join me next week for uh, another flow of aaron's mind on uh, the journey through life podcast But um, I will see you then, and be sure to check out the Facebook page, Aaron at, well, you can type in the at sign on Facebook, Aaron Aiden Coaching. You can find me on Instagram as well, at AaronAiden3, and same on Twitter as well, and YouTube, Aaron Aiden. You can find all the links to that on my Facebook page and on my uh, Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, But thanks for tuning in today and i hope to see you on another podcast but uh i will leave you with some love light and an incredible amount of healing but that's it from tonight good night and namaste